Welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters Podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO and host of the podcast. Today we're speaking with David Maman, CEO and founder of Bana. Thanks for joining us today, David. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. So, uh, so you know, without further ado, let's get right into it. What is Benign, and what is your technology solution? So, Benign technology is that we are able to utilize almost any camera-embedded device, such as laptops, smartphones, even smart mirrors and checkpoint any type of device with a camera in order to extract vital signs and to make it available for everyone anywhere. And I think that in a very high level, the technology that we developed allows almost anyone, just because you have a smartphone, and you know there's country today that doesn't have a sewer system, but everyone has a smartphone. And by extracting those vital signs, then organization can decide what to do with them. We have telemedicine companies that use those capabilities in order to have better type of uh, discussion with the patient, in order to have a better observation capabilities, and also a lot of different insurance companies and so on that are basic, and, and basically any company that bases their decision on knowing your vital signs. In just a few more words, the vital signs that we're extracting today using cameras only, again, we do not use any wearable or any additional sensors, we're able to extract heart rate, heart rate variability, oxygen saturation, respiration rate, and also uh, stress level. And all of those are available out of the box. In the next few months, we will be releasing additional features as well. So does this technology, is this technology coupled with a, uh, you know, an existing telehealth solution? If I had a, a uh, tele, telehealth conferencing system that allowed the physician and, and patient to communicate and, you know, brought in, incorporated their, their medical records, whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, would I couple your technology with that so that there was a, uh, uh, vital signs reading provided as well? Exactly. We already have a few players in the telemedicine, for example, DocDot from Italy, and the DocDot from Italy technology have already integrated BINAS capabilities as part of their offering. But keep in mind that telemedicine companies are evolving, and especially since COVID-19 started, it's not just about getting the measurements during the conversation. And what do I mean by that? Keep in mind that at first, whenever a customer would like to talk with a telemedicine company, it can be that he's initiating the call or the telemedicine company is doing an active reach for the patient himself. Maybe we're talking about people with chronic conditions. And during the schedule of the call, telemedicine companies can already prioritize how important it is to have to call today or next Friday. And by starting the triage, the, the, the vital signs extractions, they can actually have the, enough information to determine the importance and when to schedule the call. The second part is during the call itself. So when a person is starting the session, he's on a waiting room until the doctor actually gets to the session itself. So he's extracting their vital signs. So once the session is starting, the doctor already sees the information in front of him, and then he can take, of course, better and more educated decisions. And once the session has ended and the doctor has gave recommendations and the specific treatment that he wishes, what happens three or five days later? 
a person that uses the same application gets a notification, please check your vital signs in order to see if there's any improvement. And after three days for the first time, after five days, and in case there is no improvement, you can automatically reschedule another call with a telemedicine provider. So this kind of technology allows all those three different stages prior to the call, during the call, and actually is a follow-up to be integrated as, as part of the full life cycle. So uh, when you say during the call, is that, uh, is that maintained in real time or is it a one-time, uh, you know, reading like you said in the, in the waiting room, that information is captured? Is it a one-time or is it real-time throughout the discussion with the physician? Yeah, you can do it both ways. It's according to what the telemedicine company decides to do. Because keep in mind that all the different, especially major telemedicine providers, are working very hard to reduce the time of the call of the doctor, because that's probably the most expensive part of the session. So the doctor wouldn't want to keep on watching and waiting with his decision. The average call today is about 12 minutes, and I think they're working very hard to reduce it to about seven minutes. So I don't think the doctor would like to keep on seeing that. But the technology itself can have a continuous extraction as well. We have companies that manage the entire continuous for sessions of 20 minutes, but the majority of the customers use this kind of extraction only for one minute prior to the session in order to maintain the reduction of the time that the doctor, doctor actually spends on the session itself. Right. Okay. That, I mean, that sounds great. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned COVID, the, the pandemic. Uh, what, what has that done in terms of the interest level in your technology? So I think that the most interesting part about COVID-19 is that when we started the company almost four years ago, we always had in mind that the world, and when I'm saying the world, I mean any type of the industries. It's not just clinics and telemedicine companies. It's insurance companies and wellness platform and business continuities and even KYC, know your customer from a wellness point of view, will need this technology. What COVID-19 have done that it's the, the past six months, we moved fast forward six years. That's what actually happened. So, uh, you know, we believed in this technology way before no one even heard about the definition of COVID, not even 19, not even any other number. So the, the amazing thing about the industry is people now understand that things will need to be done remotely. And even if you analyze the World Health Organization report from 2019, according to the uh, World Health Organization, it's clear that about half of the world lacks access to essential health services. And that's that's amazing number. But when you try, when you read this full report by the, the World Health Organization, you understand that that's the reality. And another fascinating fact is that each and every year, over 100 million people are pushed into extreme poverty due to health expenses. And those two facts actually made us start this company in order to move forward, but COVID made everyone realize that the time is now. It's not in five years into the future. Right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the pandemic, if, if there are any positives to take away, uh, it would certainly be in the growth of, of telehealth and the advancements that have been made there. Um, so, you know, AI is, is still, you know, relatively new. 
you know, but your system obviously has that incorporated. What was it, you know, what was it like developing an AI uh, healthcare solution? Um, and what did you, you know, did you encounter uh, uh, resistance in terms of, oh, AI is still unknown, it's still unproven, or, you know, was, was there, uh, you know, concerns there from, from people that you were working with? So, yes and no, and that's an interesting approach because, you know, people are still figuring out what AI means. And if we'll be honest, AI by itself, it's just uh, a marketing buzzword. There is no AI. You know, none of us are having robots uh, making us breakfast yet. And so when, when, people talk, <laughs> when people talk about AI, we're basically talking about the ability to use a, a, a data in order to get to conclusions that we couldn't do it before. And in, in a few different capabilities, for example, the baseline of the technologies, first of all, we're using a face detection because we have to make sure that there is a face. When we are using a camera in order to extract the vital signs, we have to make sure that there is a face. Without using this specific deep learning mechanism, we would have never seen that there is a person there if you had any anomaly. For example, if you had a non-standard skin tone or if you had a non-standard face structure or maybe you're wearing a mask. So we have to use those kind of capabilities in order to enable the different solutions that we're doing. So with AI, uh, by the way, a very important fact is that the majority of the vital signs that we're extracting, like oxygen saturation and respiration rate, are not based on AI. Those are not statistical estimations. Those are pure signal processing. So we can actually explain how the process actually works in each and every one of the vital signs extractions. So when we're talking with, with, I guess we can call it the more traditional companies, when they hear AI, oh no, not AI. What exactly you do in AI? We need the full explanation. We need, and I can understand the fear, but today using AI, it's almost like using C++ to build a product. Right. It's, I guess, within the next two to three years, there will be no product without AI because we need that. It's not just the benefits to... Uh, uh, you know, to, to cut short, to shorten longer path. It's actually, there's, there's I think what, what deep learning actually have done and the world of statistical estimations that everyone is able to use it today, the key core advantage that was created is that we're able, that we're letting the computers teach us how things should be done because we are just unable with different types of technology and the, the knowledge of human being to understand the ties between pieces of information to that level of degree. And the, the interesting thing, and, and don't get me wrong, we need to be able to understand it and to debug it and to control it and to decide exactly how it should be used and what exactly error level it's creating when something was not part of the data set. We need to control that. But in the, in the net, in, I guess if we'll have this session in five years, no one will ask, are you using AI? Because it will be like, are you using a computer? Right, right. It'll just be incorporated into, into so much of our uh, technologies that, that uh, you know, it'll, it'll be understood. Um, yes, sir. So you mentioned that in, uh, in six months, you know, we've, we've advanced six years in, in terms of, you know, the telehealth uh, landscape, the, the, you know, the, the usage of telehealth. 
Uh, what what is that kind of rapid adoption? You know, what does that do for the industry? What can we perhaps expect? Uh, you know, in terms of telehealth, you know, post pandemic. Hopefully, you know, someday there'll there'll be a day where we're not worried about COVID. You know, it seems like it's far off, but it, it'll come. What what is what does that day look like in terms of telehealth? That, that's a great question because before even we touch telehealth, you know, when September 11, in the year 2000 happened, and, you know, there were a horrible terror attack in the U.S., a lot of the different uh, strategies and processes in airlines have completely changed. You know, I never took my shoes off before September 11. No one requested me to, to empty everything in, in a very aggressive way like it happened today. And everyone was sure, no, it was just a, a, a specific terror attack, and in a few years it will go down. None of those instructions have ever went off. And we're right. applying the same type of compliance and requirements we do today since post-September 11, 20 years later. And I think that COVID-19 have brought us to the situation that there is no way back completely. Yeah, we will probably fly much more than we fly now, which is about 5% of what we used to. And probably we will be able to go more freely to a restaurant, but there is no completely going back. I think that from people that we talk today, and again, it's not about pushing Bina uh, uh, offering to anyone, but from countries and organizations that we talk today, they say that their customers would prefer not to come to a medical facility. And I'm not talking just about what, what's considered as red countries. I'm talking about completely green countries in New Zealand, in, in other countries which are considered almost completely safe in Taiwan. People prefer not to interact in a medical facility and in a medical environment because God forbid someone there might infect them. Right. So, I think that telemedicine will only keep on growing and maybe in 10 years, the, anything that is not telemedicine will be the rare and, and you know, the, the unbelievable things. And, and this is also an acceptance from the, uh, I guess, maturity of the population. And once we see a younger people getting to, to use technology as part of their hand, you know, try to talk with, with a teenager now and take their phone, they, they will kill you. <laughs> and when, when they understand that the entire services that they need to, uh, to get and to start uh, using will not be based on getting somewhere, they will never prefer any other option just using their smartphone. So I think that's the future. There is no completely post-pandemic anymore. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I certainly think you make a, a lot of good points. And I think, you know, just from a just from a – you know, personal standpoint, you know, I know when I'm really feeling under the weather, you know, really, really have something going on. The last thing I want to do is, is get in the car and drive, you know, 15 minutes. or Exactly. Minutes. You know, fortunately for me, that's all it is. You know, for some people, it may be an hour, 90 minutes, you know, whatever, whatever it is for them. But, uh, yeah, the last thing I want to do is travel into a doctor's office and sit in a room with some other sick people. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so... Uh, you know, it's, yeah, we take it so, uh, so for granted that we live in, in a very advanced country, you know, the U.S. and, and Israel, like uh, where we are now, for, where Bina is located, and we take it for granted. But the interesting thing is that we live in countries that there is an average two 
to three doctors for every 1,000 people. That's the average in advanced countries. In some countries, they're getting to four, like, you know, parts of Canada. In some countries, they get to one doctor for every 50,000 people. So when a person in the U.S. needs to get into his car and drive an hour for a doctor, in some countries, they need to drive 10 hours to see a doctor. Right, so right. We, we're taking that for granted. But, you know, a lot of countries and a lot of out-of-center locations and countries, there is no doctors to see when you're sick. So right. I think that telemedicine is making medical services available anywhere. And that's the amazing part because it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to your point, you know, for me, it's, a, it's convenience almost, you know, for somebody else, it's, it's life-changing. You know, that, that's exactly. So, well, yes, sir. Well, Definitely. You, um, yeah. I mean, um, unfortunately, that's, that's all the time we have for, for this episode of MedTech Matters. But I'd like to thank, uh, you know, David Maman of Bana for joining us and telling us uh, about his uh, technology and uh, sharing some viewpoints on telehealth and uh, its growth. So, uh, Thank you time. very, very much. Thank you very, very much for having me, Sean. It was a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Uh, so until next time, this has been Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO, uh, saying see you next time.